<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I need to apologize. I was being an ass earlier. You, you are... Uh... It was wrong for me to triangulate you, your dad, and your sister, and your mom. Um, and I ask for your forgiveness. One attorney is caught using chat GPT to draft a legal brief. Another points a gun at prosecutors, and another objects to himself. These are seven arguably awkward moments by lawyers in court. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. Trials can be a whole mixed bag of things, right? They can be dramatic. They can be sad. They're even humorous at times. And frankly, sometimes they can be a bit awkward, right? Particularly sometimes involving attorneys. There are those moments that maybe are a head scratcher or cringeworthy or uncomfortable. And that's what we want to get into. The top awkward lawyer moments in recent cases. And I can say this because I'm a lawyer myself, okay? I have license to say it. Well, let's actually start off with the Ahmaud Arbery case out in Georgia. Now, you may recall this case. There was this video from February 2020 of three white men chasing down, trapping, and ultimately gunning down Ahmaud Arbery, a black man. It went absolutely viral, this video. The three defendants, Gregory McMichael, Travis McMichael, father and son, and William Bryant, they all went to trial back in 2021. And this was a case that was watched by many. The racial undertones of this story was apparent. And there were tons of people who had thoughts about this case, feelings about this case, particularly outside the courthouse during the proceedings. Well, one day, Martin Luther King III, the eldest son of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. attended court. He was in the gallery. Yet, there was a bit of an awkward moment when that announcement was made by William Bryan's attorney, Kevin Goff. Now, for our viewers on Sidebar, just look at Judge Timothy Walmsley as this happens. All right, we're back on defendant's president represented by counsel. Uh, we are still with uh, Travis McMichael. We ready to proceed? Yes, Your Honor. Greg McMichael. We're yes, ready. Mr. Bryan. We are, but I would note for the record that my understanding is the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, has graced us with his presence in the public gallery this afternoon. The third. The third. <clears throat> the third. The third. I'm sorry. The third. Martin Luther King the third. Doing Martin Luther King the third. Yeah. Um, apparently, the state's in order. It uh, does, does not look like he's in the gallery now, so that I think the state's wanted. The, the state has its back to the public gallery, so I imagine um, they wouldn't know. But. 
honest mistake, right? Honest mistake. But it is a tad awkward. You saw the judge's face looking around like, what's he talking about? In the end, though, all three men, they were convicted in state court of the murder of Ahmad Arbery, as well as other charges, and they were sentenced to life in prison. On the federal front, all three were convicted of a hate crime and attempted kidnapping. The McMichaels were also convicted of a weapons charge as well. McMichaels were sentenced to an additional life in prison and Brian sentenced to an additional 35 years. I think back to awkward moments and I have to say there is one where I certainly felt awkward watching it. I'm not sure what the attorney was thinking, but let's go back to Alex Jones. Okay, so we covered his two trials extensively on Sidebar. And if you recall, the InfoWars founder and host had been sued by the families of those who lost loved ones in the Sandy Hook Elementary School, as well as a former FBI agent, all for comments that Jones made regarding the massacre, namely that massacre was staged and that it was fake and it was a hoax and that the parents were crisis actors. They sued him for defamation and intentional infliction of emotional distress. And Alex Jones automatically lost these lawsuits because he failed to abide by court-ordered discovery obligations. He didn't turn over materials to the other side like he was supposed to. And when the court ruled against him, it's called a default judgment. He automatically loses. We covered both of his trials on law and crime and sidebar. And these trials were purely about how much he would owe the plaintiffs in damages. How much would he have to pay up? Now, when Jones took the stand in his Texas trial, he was asked by plaintiff's attorney, Mark Bankston, if he had ever sent text messages about Sandy Hook, right? That's an important point. Well, here's what happened. And for our viewers, just take a look at his attorney and Dino Reynal. One of the things that you were ordered to do in this lawsuit, you were ordered to turn over any text messages between Sandy Hook, right? Yes. And you didn't have any, right? Not that we could find. And, and you, in fact, told me in, in your testimony, sworn testimony before coming to this courtroom, you searched, right? I did. Okay. You've got it upside down. That's text messages between you and Paul Watson, isn't it? Yes. And they mention Sandy Hook, don't they? Yes. I've never seen this text message. I guess you guys got Paul's. My phone didn't save him. And it said he didn't. Nice trick. <laughs> yes, Mr. Jones. Oh. Indeed. You didn't give this text message to me. You don't, you don't know where this came from. Do you know where I got this? No. Mr. Jones. Did you know that 12 days ago, 12 days ago, your attorneys messed up and sent me an entire digital copy of your entire cell phone with every text message you've sent for the past two years, and when informed, did not take any steps to identify it as privileged or protected in any way, and as of two days ago, it fell free and clear into my possession, and that is how I know you lied to me when you said you didn't have text messages about saying you did you know that? I See, I told you the truth. This is your Perry Mason moment. I gave them my phone. and then, Mr. Jones, you need to answer the question. No, did I, you know I, this happened? No, you know? I didn't know this happened. But I mean, I told you I gave them the phone over. Just, just and you said, you said in your deposition, you searched your phone. You said you pulled down the text, did the search function for Sandy Hook. That's what you said, Mr. Jones, correct? And I had several, several different phones with this number, but I did, yeah. Well, of course, I mean, that's why you got it. No, Mr. Jones, that's not why I have it. My lawyer sent it to you, but I'm hiding it. Okay. 
Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones, just answer questions. There's no question. Mr. Bankston also only asked questions. Sure. Mr. Jones, in discovery, you were asked, do you have Sandy Hook text messages on your phone? And you said no, correct? You said that under oath, Mr. Jones, didn't you? I mean, if I was mistaken, I was mistaken, but you, you got the messages right there. You know what perjury is, right? I just want to make sure you know before we go any further. You know what it is. Yes, I do. I mean, I, I'm not a tech guy. Yeah, not a great look right there. And frankly, Jones's attorneys, they took a lot of heat for that mistake, inadvertently sending texts and seemingly not doing anything to fix it. Honestly, I, I just have to call this out. The camera operator zooming in, showing Andino Reynal during that. Oh, boy. Now, in response, Mr. Reynal filed an emergency motion for a protective order and a mistrial over this mistake, saying that the material contained private and privileged content and Mark Bankston, the plaintiff's lawyer, was looking at things that he shouldn't. But again, Bankston said he told Reynal about this. Now, the judge said that while Reynal didn't do what he should have, she nonetheless ordered the medical records be deleted by the plaintiff's lawyers and also ordered a review of documents that were marked as confidential. But she denied a mistrial. In the end, Alex Jones was ordered to pay almost $50 million in one trial and almost a billion dollars plus $473 million in punitive damages in another trial. All right, we want to thank Morgan & Morgan for sponsoring this video. I think it's pretty clear from the stories that we cover that it is not always safe out there. And when you're hurt, it can be pretty confusing. It can be scary, and you really don't know where to turn. Well, Morgan & Morgan is actually the largest injury law firm in America. And at a time when you already have so much to think about, they make it super easy for you. They have completely modernized the process because you can submit your claim, you sign contracts, you upload documents, you talk to your whole legal team all on your phone. That's it. Yeah, an attorney is going to review your case in just eight clicks. They also have 4,000 support staff that can help you too, which is amazing to think about. And in terms of price, well, you only pay them if you win. There's no upfront fee. So if you're injured and you want to join the over 3 million people that call them every year, you can submit a claim at www.forthepeople.com slash LC sidebar or by dialing pound law, that's pound 529 on your phone. Okay, let's move on to another very high profile civil trial, this one involving Gwyneth Paltrow. So the actress and entrepreneur was sued by a retired eye doctor named Terry Sanderson. And he claimed that back in 2016, while the two were both skiing at Deer Valley Resort in Utah, Paltrow negligently slammed into him from behind, severely injuring him. He claimed he suffered broken ribs, a brain injury, that his life has never been the same. He sued for over $300,000. Paltrow not only defended herself from this, but she actually filed a countersuit, a counterclaim for $1, as well as her attorney's fees. Her argument was that Sanderson hit into her from behind that she was the victim in this. He said, she said, who to believe, right? Well, this was a very colorful trial. A lot of interesting things happened, but so did a few awkward things, in my opinion. And I'm going to start with a big thing, and this became the talk of social media. So at one point, Paltrow was called to the stand, and she was questioned by Sanderson's attorney, Kristen Van Orman. And some of the back and forth by Van Orman and Paltrow some saw it as her fangirling over the famous actress. Others were wondering if it was a legal strategy to disarm Paltrow. 
Was it effective? Was it not? But some just felt it was strange. Let's listen. Three days ago, um, can you believe it's been only three days? No. <laughs> Me neither. May I ask how tall you are? I'm just under 5'10". Okay. I am so jealous. I think I'm shrinking, though. You and me both. I have to wear four-inch heels just to make it to 5'5". Five five, well, so. they're very nice. Well, thank you. So, all right. So, as of right now, I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. okay. You were wearing goggles, a helmet. Yes. Okay, kind of looked like everybody else on the slope. That's always my intention. Okay. Probably had a better ski outfit, though, I bet. <laughs> I still have the same one. <laughs> I just have one. And you're not trained in accident reconstruction. Me? Yeah. No. Neither am I. You screaming at him while he's on the ground still, right? I was yelling at him. Pretty loud. Pretty I was, forceful. I was pretty upset. Right? You're yeah. small but mighty. Actually, you're not that small. Okay. Right? And then tips on top of that. Yes. Okay. And I'm assuming... And you're under oath here, <laughs> that you're a good tipper. Yes. Okay, fantastic. I wouldn't expect anything less. Um, all right. Yeah, so online, Van Orman took a lot of heat for stuff like this. I, look, me personally, I won't falter for what she did. I saw it more of as a strategy, and she did try to catch Paltrow in a few moments here and there, so maybe it was a way to throw her off guard. Maybe she was fangirling, I don't know. But talking about awkward there is one other attorney moment that I got to call out from this trial, and it concerns Paltrow's attorney, Stephen Owens. So at one point, he was questioning Sanderson's daughter on the stand, specifically about her father's behavior after the crash. Like, did his demeanor or mood change? Because the more that you can show that he was affected by the crash, the more it could help his legal case. Owens tried to negate that point by highlighting a deposition from the witness's sister, claiming that their father, Sanderson, was abusive in the past. And he asked this daughter whether her sister was a liar. In other words, it seems the argument was, well, Sanderson was always erratic, maybe even before the crash. And there was this back and forth, and it got really intense. But after a courtroom break, when Owens continued his questioning of Sanderson's daughter, he actually apologized to her. I need to apologize. I was being an ass earlier. You, you are... Uh... It was wrong for me to triangulate you, your dad, and your sister, and your mom. Um, and I ask for your forgiveness. Uh, you love your dad, fair? True. You love your mom? True. You love your sister, both sisters? Absolutely. Look, why did he do this? An attorney never really wants to come off as a bully in front of the jury, especially when it's not called for. It can rub a jury the wrong way. Maybe he felt guilty. I don't know. Either way, can't say I've really seen that too much. An attorney apologizing to a witness for what they questioned them about. It was just different, to say the least. In the end, by the way, the jury sided with Gwyneth Paltrow. They came back and found that Mr. Sanderson was 100% at fault for the crash on that ski slope. All right, let's actually stick with celebrity trials for a moment because there is one awkward attorney moment I got to call out. Johnny Depp, Amber Heard. You remember that trial? Remember that one out in Virginia? This was the case where the Pirates of the Caribbean star sued his ex-wife Amber Heard for defamation after she wrote an op-ed piece for the Washington Post claiming that she was a domestic abuse survivor. Depp argued that although he wasn't actually named in the article, the op-ed was clearly about him. 
Heard ended up countersuing Depp for statements made on what she argued was his behalf by his attorney, Adam Waldman. Comments like her claims were a hoax. And there were so many moments in this case that went absolutely viral on social media. But there is one particular moment that I do want to get into. So Ben King is on the stand, and he was the manager of a house in Australia where Depp and Heard allegedly got into a heated fight that ended with Depp's finger being cut off. Now, King is being questioned about this by Heard's lawyer, Adam Nadelhaft. And you know objections, right? Where the other side says, objection, hearsay, objection, relevance, etc. It's a way to stop a question from being answered. Well, as you are about to see, this is when attorney Nadelhaft appears to object to his own question. And isn't it true that in the entire time you were there, you were not informed as to what caused damage to Mr. Depp's hand on finger on March 8th? Objection, hearsay. I'm asking what he wasn't told. I'll sustain the objection. Next question. You didn't know what could cause damage to Mr. Depp's hand while you were there on March 8th, correct? Dr. Kipper told me he sustained an injury on uh, one of his well, fingers. Uh, objection, hearsay. Wait, you, you asked the question. Okay. okay. Next okay, he said he sustained an injury to his finger. Yes. But you don't know what caused the injury to his finger. One correct? of his fingers. But you don't know what caused, you don't know how his finger was injured, I correct? I don't think anybody mentioned it to me at that time. Right, no one mentioned it to you at that time, correct? Same objection, Your Honor, hearsay. Sorry, I'll allow it. Next question. Whoops. It's just a funny moment. It's a trial, it's court, stuff like this happens. But in the end, a jury would find that heard defamed Johnny Depp. They found her liable for all three statements at issue. They awarded him $10 million. They also found Depp liable to Heard on one claim and awarded her $2 million. However, it was ultimately decided that Heard only had to pay $1 million to Johnny Depp, and he opted for that money to go to charities. All right, so as we continue our discussion about arguably awkward attorney moments in court, this next one is more of an honorable awkward attorney moment. More of like, let's put attorney in quotes here, because I'm talking about cringeworthy moments when a defendant acted as his own attorney during his criminal trial. I am talking about Bradley Yan when he went to trial in Illinois. He was charged with attacking and sexually assaulting a 77-year-old woman, Tina Lohman Schmidt. He was charged with home invasion, residential burglary, aggravated vehicular hijacking, aggravated kidnapping, and aggravated criminal sexual assault terrible situation. In fact, she ended up passing away a few weeks after this happened, but Jan wasn't charged with her murder. He was still facing a plethora of crimes, but not the murder charge. Anyway, during the trial, he chose to represent himself. And honestly, things he said were just generally awkward. It's not many smiles today. However, I did see some yesterday. I appreciate those smiles that has brought a light to my soul as I've been stuck here in this county jail tormented for the last 19 months. Um, I ask that you forgive my appearance. This is not normally me. I normally have hair. I did not expect you to feel sorry for me by any means. Incredible and impossible happenings. We all know what incredible and impossible means. Impossible means not possible. Incredible means it's not credible. But it was during one point in particular that you're like, oh my gosh. So this came when Assistant State Attorney Josh Jones made the court aware that Jan's cousin, Travis Bloom, made a disturbance in the courthouse. And Jan tried to argue with the court about it. 
Only the problem was his argument hit him back in the face. Uh, yesterday, individual by the name of Travis Bloom attempted to enter the courtroom while the proceedings were occurring. He was stopped by security and told he could enter at breaks. Uh, at that point, he stayed outside the courtroom, but was heard outside the courtroom making very loud comments that was were heard by Sheriff's Deputy Sam Smith inside the courtroom. Your Honor, uh, throughout, the, throughout my time here, my family has been repetitively denied. I understand Travis Bloom is an idiot. I understand that, fully understand that. He holds a good heart. Um, they didn't arrest him yesterday. If he did all them things, they probably should have arrested him, right? I mean, these are very serious matters. Uh, to limit him from the courtroom simply because of this is, is, is ridiculous. If a, if a person does not know that they cannot come in during a time that is not a recess, then maybe they should be explained that, or maybe there should be notices posted on a wall somewhere. The gentleman in the back courtroom by the door uh, with law enforcement, what's your name? You step outside the door and see if there's anything posted about their entering the courtroom during a recess. There is, Your Honor. And what does it say, sir? It says, you may only enter the courtroom at recess or breaks. And you were here yesterday, sir? I was. And was that sign posted on the door at all times? I believe so. Have a seat, Mr. Yon. Your motion or objection is overruled. You are, as you described, idiot relative Travis Bloom should have read the door sign before he tried to enter the courtroom, and so he was advised of the court rules. And as he has attempted to disrupt these proceedings yesterday, as represented, he will be barred from attending further proceedings in this matter. Awkward. His cousin not only didn't read the door sign, but apparently Jan didn't even bother to check the sign himself before he made this nonsensical argument in court. Oh yeah, Jan, he was convicted across the board of all charges and was sentenced to 130 years in prison. And the judge, who you just heard from, said Jan was, quote, the most reprehensible person I have had in court before me. That is quite a statement. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, moving on. This next one is a bit awkward and a bit funny. I'm going to rephrase it. It's dark humor. And I will tell you there are those who actually found this quite off-putting. So in the infamous Alec Murdoch case, you remember this one? It was a question of whether the disgraced South Carolina lawyer murdered his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul, on their country estate back in 2021. 
Well, they were gunned down on the family property, specifically by the dog kennels. There was no surveillance. There was no eyewitnesses, really no murder weapon that was recovered. But there was this huge smoking gun, a video taken off of Paul's phone minutes before the shootings, where you can hear Murdoch on the scene at the kennels after having denied for so long he was there. But one of the things that the defense did in their case was call their own expert, a crime scene engineer named Mike Sutton. And Sutton's opinion was based on the trajectory of the shots was that the shooter was short, around 5'2 to 5'4, not 6'4. That's how tall Murdoch was. So the defense was saying Murdoch could possibly have been the shooter, right? So Dick Harputlian at one point, this is Murdoch's attorney, he's holding a weapon and he actually points it towards the prosecution. Listen to what happens. Do you recognize this? Do you know what this is? Yes. What is it? Uh, it's the, uh, I think it's a, you know, like an exemplar 300 blackout rifle. Um, and this is the weapon, a weapon like this, that the shooter would have had? Yes. Okay, so I'm trying to sort of get a visual of, how about come down here so I don't point at you? Or maybe let me come up there and come this way. Okay? So I'm not five foot two or five foot four. I think you said five foot three to five foot four. But position me <laughs> tempting, but um <laughs> I don't know how I can do this so I'm not pointing at somebody. So he points it at the prosecution and says, tempting. You hear laughs in the courtroom, but still awkward. Awkward when you're dealing with two victims who were shot to death. It's dark humor there, right? In the end, Alec Murdoch, though, was convicted of the murders of his family and sentenced to life in prison. Okay, we have to end our discussion on awkward attorney moments with this gem. Now, I wish we had courtroom video of it, but unfortunately, we do not. So this was in New York. And attorney Stephen A. Schwartz had to explain to a judge in a hearing why he used ChatGPT, the artificial intelligence language chatbot, to write a legal brief in a federal case. Now, to be clear, he didn't use ChatGPT to write the whole brief, but what it did was it created fake judicial opinions and legal citations that Schwartz incorporated into the brief. Yeah, it concerned a personal injury lawsuit against an airline and this brief was submitted to respond to the airline's claim that the suit was barred by the statute of limitations. So Schwartz's legal brief cited all these cases like Martinez versus Delta Airlines, Zickerman versus Korean Airlines, Varghese versus China Southern Airlines. But apparently, none of those cases exist. Yikes. So now, Schwartz had to explain himself. And according to reporting from the New York Times about what happened in court, Schwartz, quote, squeezed his eyes shut, his shoulders drooped, he was slumped, all to describe just how awkward and bad this was for him. And he said, look, he wasn't that familiar with ChatGPT. He thought it was like a super search engine. But when asked why he didn't double check the citations and do his own research, Schwartz reportedly replied, quote, I wish I did that and I didn't do it. Then he added, I did not comprehend that chat GPT could fabricate cases. He said, quote, I continued to be duped by chat GPT. It's embarrassing. He expressed just 
how ashamed he was. And apparently the heated questioning from Judge P. Kevin Castle lasted almost two hours. The New York Times also reporting that people in the courtroom were giggling and grimacing. But what was really bad is that Schwartz apparently didn't come clean about this to the opposing side during the litigation. And the judge said he engaged in bad faith. The judge ended up dismissing the lawsuit, ordered Schwartz and his partner, along with their law firm, to each pay $5,000 in fines and to notify each judge who was falsely attributed as the author of these fake judicial opinions about what happened. Look, it's scary to think about the powers of AI and how we still don't know their capabilities, but it is equally as scary that you had a lawyer seemingly just blindly not doing their homework. Well, there you have it. Some particularly awkward moments by attorneys in cases. Honestly, can't wait for more to come. That's all we have for you here on Sidebar, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. Speak to you next time.